Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organizations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gore. Research says that 65% of your employees give you their time, but not their best effort or ideas. The sad thing is that that number hasn't changed in decades. So what's going wrong? Well, I'm on a mission to help businesses and their employees get much more out of their working relationship and create tons more mutual success. This podcast is here for all those who believe and want that too, and for those who'd like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode will cover the topics that can help you create what I call a stickier business. The sort of business where people love to work, where they not only say good things about you, but stay longer, work harder, and absolutely thrive in the environment you create. And where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So, if you fancy listening to a podcast that tries to take the tricky out of being sticky and that might just help you light the fires within your people and propel your business to untold success, then please download and subscribe to the Sticky From The Inside podcast and join the stickiest conversation on the air today. So here we are then, episode two of my Sticky From The Inside podcast podcast and today i have my first ever guest with me and that honor which let's be honest might be a little premature um we'll see how how the episode goes um is the lovely karen turton now karen is the learning and development director for transition a company that specializes in the development of softer skills for multi-site managers and leaders of tomorrow now with a background of working for high energy businesses in hospitality retail and leisure, and famous brands like Nando's, plus being a self-confessed serial entrepreneur, she knows what it takes to inspire and engage a workforce and create winning teams who go on to achieve amazing results. And, as we'll find out later, she has some controversial views on performance metrics and how relevant they are today. Hello, Karen! Hello, Andy. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining me. It's so lovely to have you here. I think before we go on, there are two things I need to sort of highlight or confess, really, if that's okay. Firstly, we met each other a long time ago (laughs) uh, when we worked in a big I'm, I'm not going to say the name at this point, but a big pub and drink company. Very might, long time ago. Yeah, there might be some legal issues um, where we were both basically paid to visit pubs, talk to staff and customers and have a good time. Um, and you were a trainer. <laughs> and let's just say I was, I was a, a promotions guy, promotions guy, too much to say marketing at that stage of my career, I think. And mad times they were too. They were very, very mad, very memorable and very mad. I'm glad you can remember them. Um, I struggle at times. And maybe that's just <laughs> embarrassment. I don't I don't know. But but secondly, and perhaps more importantly, you've just been nominated for a National Innovation in Training Award. I have. Congratulations. I, was, yeah, I know. It's super exciting. And I have, um, yeah, I've got to prepare for my uh, judging panel and uh, do my best to uh to make sure i uh put my best self forward so yeah i'm super excited so what's all that about then 
What is, what is all that about? So the, the National Innovation and Training Awards is ANITA, uh, run by the BII, um, so industry-leading organisation who look to find the best and the brightest and the most innovative in the training L&D people development space in the industry. So, so you, you match know, up to that then? I'm just, it's a little bit exciting. It's two years out of sort of stepping away from the corporate career and being this self-confessed serial entrepreneur, which I am, and loving it, to actually, you know, have been nominated for such an accolade, regardless of whether I win or not, is hugely, hugely, it's just exciting. It's just really exciting. Oh, well, I'm chuffed for you, mate. That's great. Um, and I'm sure it's very well deserved. I... I've got you here today then to talk about like employee engagement, all things work culture yeah. and what have you. Yeah. So um, let me start off with a bit of a statement and see where you come. So look, I've always thought a key part of engagement is, is that generally engaged employees like to feel that they're growing professionally and personally, right. Whilst mm-hmm. they're at work. But is that real? What's the reality, Karen? I think it's absolutely real. The days of, Financial incentive, money being the motivator for work are well behind us. It is well documented that the younger generations are looking for more purposeful organisations to work for. They're looking for things that make a difference. They're looking to work in environments where they get to learn something. So personal learning, personal growth, personal development, whatever you want to call it, are only increasing they're only becoming more important and I think you know we're in a space where when you and I were coming up in the industry 20 years ago you were really fortunate if you went on one of the Disney initiatives or the big Jim Sullivan conferences and they were high ticket items you know your organization had to pay a healthy fee to get you on one of those for personal development Let's be really clear, Karen. I did not get to go on any of those. Right? No, (laughs) No, I didn't get to go on the Disney one either. (laughs) I would have loved to, but no. I know. Well, I'm really revered and still there today. But I think, you know, when we were coming up through, personal development was getting to go to some of these conferences, being put forward for some of these big uh, awards programs or masterclasses and all of those are still really relevant today but the industry and the environment is much more around what can organizations do themselves internally to help upskill everybody with not just business skills technical skills as i call them but also life skills mm. you know and this personal development i talk i talk an awful lot at the moment about soft and hard skills okay and tell me a little bit more well the easiest way is we've all heard we've all heard Forrest Gump saying life is like a box of chocolates Mm -hmm. well so too is organization you've got this box of chocolates with hard centers and soft centers Oh, you mean the, the people? Centers, in, the people in there have got that, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. Uh, you're not going to get me to name any hard sentences on this. <laughs> Damn. No, but yeah, no, I'm not going there. Um, hard centres being the technical skills that we give people when they join. Gotcha. All throughout process, procedure, and the soft skills are those personal attributes. 
the behaviours that help people interact in the workplace. And, and actually, there is such a big, you know, there is a huge need. And I think you said, you know, I, I have some controversial views, which we'll touch on. But there's a really big need for organisations to focus more on those soft centres than the hard centres. Okay. So, like, in your space, in multi-site, hospitality-focused yep. businesses, right? Jim Sullivan's made a good living uh, in, that, in that space, talking about uh, the keys to multi-site leadership, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, is that message still relevant today or is, is it slightly changed? Cause I would maybe stick him in your technical box a bit. Absolutely. And if I think about an example from one of Jim Sullivan's sessions, and I remember it clearly to this hmm. day, um, and, and I used to train it into people, you know, one of his fundamentals was, you know, watch the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. And he used to talk about, you know, not throwing the teaspoons in the food bin when you're clearing the tables. Well, you know, yes, great. But actually, where does the mindset piece come, the behavior piece come that actually enables, you know, the boys and girls who are clearing the tables rather than just hurtling, you know, the stuff that's left on the plate in the food bin. And yes, these days we recycle and we separate it and all of that. But actually, how do we help them understand the impact of their actions on the overall business performance? And mm. that's mindset. That's, that's looking through the lens differently. It's looking rather than at what I do, why and how I do it. Central and themes that, to engagement, Karen, right? Absolutely exactly. central themes to engagement. And the Jim Sullivans, uh, you know, and you and I both know this employee engagement is critical to an organization maximizing its performance it's the superpower you know if you haven't got the employee engagement you are not going to drive business potential fact 10 15 even 20 years ago we worked in organizations that were very very focused on delivering task delivering a brand proposition right down to the letter of was the check back delivered within two minutes, mm -hmm. regardless of what the actual need of the guest was. Yeah, right, right. Regardless of actually stepping into their shoes. Where does the chat that... with the guest bit fit into that process, right? Where's the, where's, the, uh, where's the finding out really what your customer wants bit within that checklist? I mean, maybe it's there. Maybe I haven't looked close enough, but I don't know. But it, it wasn't managed or measured. Let's say it wasn't measured. And what we're now talking about is all of that that Jim Sullivan and everybody else brought in was fantastic. It's the ticket to play, mm. but it's not the differentiator. No, you're, you're, you're saying mindset and attitude is, you know, principal focus for, for you. And in a lot of your work, you know, it's not just dealing with the guys who are clearing teaspoons away, right? You're trying to prepare the leaders of the future. Right. Having a better understanding Absolutely. of these softer skills, right? Absolutely. We are working closely with some really, really some senior leaders, mm. you know, some great operations managers, some great business owners who are these leaders for the future, who will be the CEOs of tomorrow in a few years time. Mm. And we're working with them now to help reprogram the way that they run their organizations so that they prioritize the how and the why over the what. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, look, I, I've long had a belief that, um, I mean, there are a lot of very good senior leaders out there doing doing the right things and having a concentration uh, on mindset, attitude, and whatever. But I think generally, you know, senior leaders are usually extremely adept at the financial matters, strategy development, those sort of more tangible things, maybe your hard centers um, that you mentioned before, right? But they seem to be less comfortable, um, again, in general, with the softer stuff, the people development or culture development, um, behavioral stuff, you know, those more intangibles or soft centers um, that, that you talk about. And I don't know whether that's because of the tasks that they've done previously or the way that they've been trained or the importance or uh, priority certain things have been put on in the past. But, you know, from the people that you deal with on a daily basis and what you see today, how well equipped are are the people or the workforce of today to become these these new leaders where mindset, attitude, people, culture are, I guess, taking more of a front and centre view? Wow, there's a question. Good, a good and one. I know, and there's probably no one answer. Do the leaders that are coming through now have the required skills 100% to drive their businesses through employee engagement, particularly for the younger generations? No, they don't. Mm-hmm. Because their leaders were never taught those skills. Therefore, leadership evolution, you know, you don't know what you don't know. The place that we are playing in at transition is filling the gap of you don't know what you don't know. So if you take our multi-site leaders program Mm -hmm. and without naming names, we've had some really, really talented people just complete their final module. Okay. And one of these very talented leaders um, came into the program thinking that their skill set was following the way that they believed they had to do the role, as in were being taught perception, all of that. And they left the program realizing that their alternative skill set that they brought into the industry actually equipped them to be a much stronger leader, one of these future leaders and they are now driving their business internally to look through a much wider lens than when they had entered the program. Okay. And all we've done is we've created a different, we've given them a different set of glasses to look through because they didn't know there was another set of glasses to wear. And now that they do, the way they're looking at their business is different than the way they were looking at it before. I guess also with the guys that you're working with, they're making this transition, not to overplay the name of your company, but they're making a transition from mate to manager to leader, right? Um, Because they're they're working with people who are their mates. They then become a manager. They then have to manage their mates. And then you become a leader, right? So, I mean, that's, that's, that's some change, right? And you're not always sat down and told the changes in that role or, 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 or how to even cope with the changes that that, those changes bring and you know it's some of the small things that become their light bulb moments for example when you say to them all have you created your ways of working for how you're going to run a meeting not what you're going to cover in the meeting but the ways of working for your monthly meeting such as 
What are the behaviors? You know, what are the values? What are the consequences for people that don't follow them? They suddenly go, no, I've never thought about that. I've always just gone into the meeting agenda. Well, actually, if you think about the ways of working for a particular meeting, the how and the why, the actual meeting becomes more ineffective in itself. Yeah, yeah. So it's always those little things where you're right, mate to manager to leader. It's always the tiny subtleties that are things that bring, bring the biggest impact for somebody thinking about them. That's fair. I mean, I mean, and, and actually being sat down and have that explained is... It's, it's hugely important, right? And actually yeah. having the chance to even think about it. Often you just get plucked and chucked in a job and you're then expected to kind of know what to do. So so how early in that process with them are you are you talking about the engagement bits, if you like, of, of becoming a the, the manager going uh, forward? Do you know, well, engagement underpins our whole programs. Okay. Because engagement, you know, we talk about – performance through people, not by people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you start trying to manage performance by people, you end up managing task. Our whole engagement philosophy is that you have to inspire and motivate and empower and educate people to deliver the performance. And is this where your big E, little E concept comes into play? Do you want to explain that for me? (laughs) Yeah, no, I do. (laughs) So um, I talk about Big E a lot. Um, one, of the, one of the fundamental um, philosophies of transition is that whereas delivering a service was relevant 10 years ago, and, hey, you know, that's where we had Mystery Diner mm-hmm. to manage service because Mystery Diner would clearly say whether you had achieved all 20 steps of the mystery service, it, the you know, the service, it wouldn't look at how great were the conversations with the guest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was 10 years ago. We're now in, a, in an environment where it's about personalization. It's about having it your way. Therefore, the concept of service is vastly irrelevant. Now we're talking about experience. Right. And experience is personal. Yeah. Experience is how do we help leaders, employees, team members, colleagues, whatever you call them in your organization, how do we help them understand that to thrive, you need to deliver an experience? The only way to deliver an experience is through empathy, which is where our big E, little e model comes in. Little e is words, statements, and actions. That will deliver the service. Mm -hmm. It will deliver the brand proposition but it won't deliver you the top NPS score or the five on TripAdvisor or the loyal visit. It will satisfy the need of that visit, but it won't go any further. Or to your point, literally won't make something sticky. Yeah. Yeah. That's Ooh. where Big E comes into it. Big E and sticky. But I mean, Big perfect. What a blend. E. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. Big E. And Big E is mind, heart and behaviour. So hard skills, literally deliver the service, overlay it with this big E, mind, heart, behavior, connection, relationship, and you've suddenly got an experience that people talk about. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I once was lucky enough to sort of sit down at a corporate dinner, you know, back in the corporate days, and 
fellow 49ers uh, fan, Martin Johnson, you know, yeah, he won a World Cup rugby as well at the same time, right, um, was on my table. And one of those embarrassing situations where you've got a superstar on your table and no one wants to talk to them because they're embarrassed. But we, you know, we had a pretty good chat. I wouldn't say we left as best mates, um, but we had a good chat. And he talked about during the World Cup, big talk, little talk. And it's very similar concept to what you talked about. You know, on the pitch, there were little bits of chat in little groups. And these are about, you know, the backs doing something specific in a move, um, you know, really thinking about the little bits of technique that required or gaps that they'd seen. And big talk was when the team came together to galvanize and move forward as, as one, as a unit and uh-huh. play back to their values. And it's very similar to what you're talking about. You know, it, the philosophy is, is well known. All that we do at Transition is try to make things simple. You know, when England won the World Cup, a lot of it was credited to their uh, psychologist. And I forget her name, but I think it was Pippa something. And her whole remit was how did she, to your point, drive the relationships off the pitch in the locker room beyond the I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you, but you're never going to really get to know me. Mm -hmm. As soon as those players started to understand each other on a much deeper level, their play on the pitch evolved to a different level because they were wearing each other's shoes. They could Mm -hmm. anticipate, they could move, they could adapt, Mm -hmm. they were agile. Mm -hmm. And that's Big E. Big E is knowing that when the... You know, the young couple that come in for their first date post-lockdown, the service that they're going to give them is very different to the service they're giving the mum and dad with the kids that they've just picked up from football and want to feed them before they throw them in bed for the evening. That's that's when the experience becomes... And this stuff sounds, like, incredibly obvious, right? (laughs) So, So why... But it it doesn't happen everywhere. So so why is that, do you think? What's getting in the way, Karen? I think the um, the honest answer is I don't know, but I'm about to find out with some research. Oh, okay, tell my, me more. Yeah, well, I will do because my, the- my theory, and I do a lot of reading and everything you read, my theory is very much around organisations have set resources that they have to use in the most productive way to get the maximum benefit. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go and fix the things that are easy to fix. We always hear the term low-hanging fruit. Fixing behavior is not a low-hanging fruit no. because every individual is wired differently. Therefore, every behavior is different dependent on the individual you're talking to. And, and, so to actually go and try and change this is fundamentally hard. I know, but I think that's that's why I think a lot of these the, the leaders today struggle with the overwhelm associated with the softer cultural stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, I've got to teach everybody something different. I've got to treat everybody with completely different scenarios to everybody else. That's nah, that's too much. Oh, spreadsheet. Yeah, I can manage that. I'll concentrate my efforts on that because I can help leverage the business that way. And yeah. I think finding ways to kind of like reduce this overwhelm or the the perceived overwhelm of, yeah, it's really, it's too hard to build culture. It's too hard to kind of drive engagement continuously. Let's let's concentrate on other things. Got to find ways to, to make it better, make it easier for people. 
And I think that's the key. They're, they're part of the reason I stepped away from the corporate world to do something entrepreneurial in the spaces because A, it's needed, mm-hmm. you know, B, it's not as hard as people think it is. Um, and C, it makes a difference to people's lives. Oh, gosh, I've seen it. I, t- I, look, I'm, I make a big deal about when I talk to people about seeing the lights go on, but you do physically see the lights go on when someone kind of gets it and understands what their place in all of it is. And totally. it doesn't need to be complicated. You know, I think consultants try and make it complicated because that's how they earn their coin. But I think ultimately make it simple, pass it on. You know, if you think uh, with our, and I'll talk about the research in a second, but one of the things through lockdown that transition pivoted um, because when we realized we couldn't do face to face, we started our hangouts mm-hmm. and our hangouts started, you know, lockdown on March the 17th or whatever day it was. Um, within seven days of that lockdown, we had pivoted and put an online training community together where every Friday for 30 minutes, we would introduce a soft skills concept. Mm-hmm. Just one every Friday. Last Friday, we achieved week 29. Wow. And what we say with those soft skills is we circulate to everybody that attends. And and up to date, we've had over 300 people now attend at least one of our hangouts. And a lot of them are regular followers. But to your point, we send the slides out. We send the models out. We send the concepts out totally free of charge. Mm -hmm. Because if we can help change this focus from the inside out then it's going to add value down the line it's oh, not gosh. always about money or finance or performance it's about making a difference to people's lives a hundred percent mate a hundred percent i mean I, I i think if if you're doing this stuff to help leaders and i use stuff completely incorrectly yeah, yeah. it's not big enough term to decide what you're doing really but we're well, doing more engagement you're trying to get them involved you're trying to make it simpler and and thinking about performance, I mean, and you've said to me that current performance metrics are irrelevant. So going forward with these new managers, new leaders, what what is it then that you're going to get them to concentrate on? I mean, is this what's going to come out of the research or is this feeding the research? What What's the story here? Um, so the research is about identifying current behaviours with soft skills. Mm-hmm. I talk about this metaphorical box of chocolates that an organization has. You know, what I want to know through some research with the industry is what percentage of those chocolates are currently hard skills, what percentage are soft skills. The hypothesis being probably only 25% of any given box of chocolates is soft skills. It's Mm. the wrong way around. You know, if we think about it, we recruit people based on those personal attributes, those soft skills, typical job description. We'll talk about um, an empathetic ear, um, being able to give and receive feedback or behavioral skills. And then as soon as we get that person through the door, we train them on fire safety or health and safety. And we've kind of flipped from what was soft Mm. to hard. And we kind of need to flip that back. So the research will help inform us how big a problem it is. I think it's quite a big problem that needs fixing, but the research will help absolutely, you know, put, and I don't want to say a number, put a framework around our thinking that we can help other people understand. Moving forward, the metrics such as, you know, a business review where the area manager historically 
would focus on. I did it as an area manager. It's what I was trained to do. I would go in with my GMs and we'd talk about sales to budget to last year. We'd talk about profitability. We'd talk about how many toilet rolls we were ordering and using. And I make light of it now. Well, it's very topical now, toilet rolls. (laughs) I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah, very important. Absolutely. Didn't even think of that. But the very, you know, I would only then talk about employees living the values or how were we rewarding or praising individuals for exhibiting the right behaviors that probably took 20 percent of the conversation if that yeah whereas the disruption today is how do we flip it because if you're not living the values if you are not exhibiting those behaviors that the organization is going to pride itself on then you're never going to deliver the performance in the first place no we're not and for this podcast you've now opened up a whole opportunity for me to bang on about values and behaviors for the next mm-hmm. 40 minutes which we do not have Karen no. so that's no, a that's I a know. chat that is a chat for another, <laughs> another day my lovely you can you can pick that up wherever but that they're the important bits that need focusing on so the metrics of the future the metrics that we pride ourselves on looking at in transition are those metrics of employee turnover or retention, or engagement surveys, or, you know, actually, how do you encourage somebody to want to do their e-learning rather than compliance management? Yeah, encouragement, as opposed to compliance. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that's the message. Well, look, look, as we get close to the end of our time together, we have come to the the part of the podcast I like to call sticky notes, okay? (laughs) So this is where my guest leaves us with top three things that people can take back to the ranch today and start improving the engagement of their people and begin creating a stickier working environment and culture. So, Karen, what sticky notes are you going to leave virtually on the walls of the Sticky from the Inside podcast today for my listeners? Sticky note number one would be understand what your box of chocolates looks like. Mm. Because if you don't know your balance of hard and soft skills, then you can't then fix any problems that are coming. So sticky note number one, what does your box of chocolates look like from a soft and hard centers point of view? Sticky note number two would be drive a big E focus throughout your business. It's about experience and not service. It's mind, heart and behavior, not word statements and actions. And sticky note number three would be lift your head up, look through the windscreen of your car and not look through the rearview mirror at what's gone behind you because it's in the past for a reason. It's about what we can do rather than what we didn't do. Oh, lovely. So let me just see if I've I've mentally kind of like memorized those <laughs> things. Number one, know your box of chocolates. After all, everybody loves a chocolate map. I can't I can't dive into a box without without the map. It's it's nice. I like that. It's yeah. Too overwhelming, right? Number two, experience, not service. Simple. Goes goes deeper than just the tick box Definitely. of delivery. Yeah. Get involved. And the third bit, look up. Look forward. The back's finished, right? Fantastic. Okay. Marvellous. Karen, thank you for those. They're my first three sticky notes on the wall. I hope over the weeks to come that they'll be surrounded by others, but they will always be my first. They will always mean something 
very special to me. How exciting. <laughs> I get to talk about chocolate on your first ever podcast. I know, brilliant. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Not quite the topic I was expecting to talk about today, but hey, whenever there's an opportunity to talk about chocolate, it I'm in. It's always going to be random. It's always in. going to be random with me on, so Well, cool. bless you. Well, brilliant. Well, that's um, that's about all we've got time for, Karen, today. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, I, I think you've given people plenty to think about and given them some really practical tips on how to help progress with their own journey. Um, good luck with the award nomination. Um, Thank you very much. I'm sure I'm sure it's in the bag. Um, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Um, anyone, if you'd like to find out more about Karen and Transition, you'll find all the information and the links in the show notes. So it just leaves me to say thanks very much, Karen. Thanks very much, Andy. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>